this time. Uh, remember them in prayer. All right, uh, you have your Bibles. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. Let's all stand as we honor God's Word. As we stand, Genesis 22. Genesis 22. And uh, we're going to read, I'm sorry, not Jen, Joshua. I don't know what I'm, what I'm thinking about. I've got something else on my mind. Joshua 22. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Joshua 22. I got a message on my mind, and uh, I've had it on my mind ever since I woke up in the middle of the night one night last week. And uh, so um, this is my message going to be for today. Now, when we read this, I'm going to begin reading verse 28, and I'm not going to explain it because uh, I, I want you to listen to it carefully now, what it's saying, and uh, then we'll... Then I'll preach my message as, as, after we read it. Now he says, and this is Joshua speaking to the people. He says, Therefore said we that it shall be when they shall so say to us or to our generations in time to come, that's the future generations, that we may say again, Behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings, nor for sacrifices, but it is a witness between us and you. God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord and turn this day from following the Lord to build an altar for, uh, for burnt offerings, for meat offerings, or for sacrifices beside the altar of the Lord, our God, that is before his tabernacle. And when Phinehas was the priest and the princes of the congregation and heads of the thousands of Israel, uh, head, the heads of the thousands of Israel, which were with him, heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spake, it pleased them. And Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest, said unto the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to the children of Manasseh, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us because ye have not committed this trespass against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. Now, that's, that's, that's a bold statement right there. And Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the priest and the princess, returned from the children of Reuben and from the children of Gad out of the land of Gilead unto the land of Cana to the children of Israel and brought them word again. And the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God and did not intend to go up against them in battle to destroy the land wherein the children of Reuben and Gad dwell. And the children of Reuben 
And the children of Gad called the altar Ed. That's something in it. Call the altar Ed, for it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. What a great blessing it is. Lord, we just pray as we attempt to preach this message today that I do believe that you gave me uh, this message as I lay awake one night last week, and this message came to me. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll see fit to help me to preach it as you would have me to preach it. Help me to have the right text for this message, a text that teaches us that that our witness, our witness will affect the generations to come, just like their witness would affect the generations to come. Our witness will affect the generations to come. Now, Lord, go with us and watch over us, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <coughs> the title of this message this morning is, I'm just simply calling it Generations. Generations. You know, I, Brother Sam will attest to this, um, I'm sure. Me and him's about the only two that was brought up in the generation we were brought up in. And the generation that Brother Sam and I was brought up in was totally different than the generation now. Totally different. And, and the reason being is because uh, there was a lot of things went on in the generation that Brother Sam and I was brought up in. I know... Uh, Brother Sam talks a lot about how his daddy used to set all the kids down and he would just literally preach to them, tell them, you know, tell them about going to church and tell them about the Lord and such and such. I didn't have that when I grew up. Um, my mom and dad never done anything like that. But, uh, but still, the generation was different, you know, when... When we started having children, the generation began to change. Shelley was born in 1968, and the generation that I was brought up in was beginning to change to a whole different generation. And I hope you understand what I'm about to say and what I'm about to preach today because it has to do with that very thing right there. It has to do with the, the new generation that has come up after, and I'm, I'm just using this example, after Brother Sam and I came up, different generation. You know, I was, uh, I know Brother Sam, Brother Sam said his daddy used to talk to the kids all the time, his mama. Uh, well, we had a little different one. We had, uh, uh, we had John Rader, who was probably one of the best Baptist deacons I ever knew. And us boys would come in drinking and, and old John Rader, we, we, I, I, I decided to spend the night at their house and, and, uh, we, they, they, the boys all slept upstairs. There's four of the boys. 
And they all slept upstairs, and so we were going to head upstairs to go to bed. And, and old John Rader said, no. He, he's a big old rugged man now. He was, he was, a, he was a railroad man, a real railroad man. And, uh, and he, he said, no, you boys sit down right there. You sit down right there. And we'd sit down on that couch in the chairs. And he would get up in front of us. And he'd preach to us. I, I remember, I'll never forget it, those boys mocked him a lot. You know, he, uh, Brother John Rader was a old mountain man. And, and he, he would say, you boys, one day when you get to know the Lord, that's how he pronounced it. He said, one day when you boys get to know the Lord, he said, uh, someday you'll understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. He said, now every one of you has been out, and he and I'm not going to say some of the things he said, what you've been doing. He said, every one of you has been out. He said, you've been out there running around. You come in here, every one of you is half drunk, and you expect me to just keep my mouth shut. He said, I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm going to tell y'all about the Lord. And he did. He preached us boys until we just about threw up. We got so sick. And he finally let us go up and go to bed. But that was, that was a different generation. How many of you have had a party at your house of your children and you set those children down? And you preach to them about the Lord. Not the Lord, but the Lord. Or did you just have a party for them? You had them a lot to eat and had them things to do, had them play things to do, and and had them something to do all during that time. How many of you set those kids down and preached to them? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Now let's get to our message. Joshua is instructing the people instead of, and I'm just, this is just a nutshell now. If, if I try to explain that whole text to you, we'd be here most of the day. Joshua is instructing the people instead of building an altar to sacrifice on, but to build one that is a testimony to those children and those who are to follow that they may know the Lord in his ways. Now, if, if you read that, you'll understand that's what that's about. So Gad, Gad and, and his group didn't live as they should. And, and, and what, what does it say here, up here about Gad? They didn't, he didn't live. Now listen to this. Y'all need to listen to these messages now. Listen to this, and Gad, and I know I can't preach it loud enough that those not here hear it. I wish I could, but um, but what he says here, he says, uh, um, in, in verse 31, in verse 31, he says, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, 
because ye have not committed the trespass against the Lord, now ye have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. Now, do you ever think about anybody that had a testimony that would drive somebody out of the hand of the Lord? Somebody that had such a testimony. Now, you have to read all of it. Gad, he told me he's referring to Gad there in that sense. That you would, that you would draw anybody out of the hand of the Lord. So he's rebuking them for their testimony. The whole thing is a rebuke for the testimony that they had. You know, all they wanted to build altars to where they could sacrifice on. They wanted to, they wanted to build altars to, so they could offer burnt offerings and all those offerings and ever was that was, that was a picture of, of the Lord, but they did not want to honor an altar that was a testimony to their children. The altar was to be a testimony that those who follow will worship the same God as their fathers worshipped. Because they knew that there was other gods out there. Just like we know today, there's everything out. Just like I told somebody here a while back, there's a swamp just about everywhere our young people go. And, and, and if they get in that swamp, they're going to get messed up. Nothing has changed today. We too are to have a testimony as to teach those who come after us that they worship the same God we worship and to follow His truths for their own lives. Nothing has changed. That's we're supposed to do the same thing. Same thing that Joshua was rebuking them for not doing. The same thing that, that we should be doing. We should be, we should be building our altar or our witness to the fact to teach these children, those that come after us. Now, I haven't even begun yet. Wait just a minute. Just a few minutes. Teach those children that they're to follow the same ways that we follow. Well, we're doing that. We're doing exactly that. You're going to understand why in just a minute. Like old Paul Harvey used to say when teachers went on strike, school teachers, when they go on strike, they went on strike in California. And Paul Harvey told all those school teachers that went on strike in California, says, you're still teaching. Don't forget this. You're still teaching. You're teaching these kids that if they want to get out here and walk and carry signs and they don't want to do anything, you're teaching them. It's okay for them to do it. You're still teaching. Oh, but they thought they, they wanted more money. They didn't care what, they didn't care what the children learned from that. They want more money. Well, what do we have today? That generation, that generation started back in the sixties. Back in the sixties and seventies and eighties. It's when Paul Harvey was there. 
And, and, and that generation started back then. And what do we have today? Any, anybody that's not, that is not uh, pleased with something they hear or something goes on, what do they do? They get out in the streets. They start burning things. They start throwing things. They start uh, cussing and they start carrying on and they start uh, rebelling against everything until they get their way. At least they think they get their way. Let me ask you today, are all of us doing this very thing about refusing to teach our children the right way? Let me answer that question. Or that we are teaching our children the right way. Let me answer that question. No, we're not. We're not teaching our children that. We're not teaching our children those things. I just, I, I would just like to visualize sometimes how many people really take in a message that is heard from this pulpit. How many people really take in a message that is, that's been preached in this pulpit from some time or another? How many remember something old brother Tony Vance said? Old brother Tony Vance was as crude as they come. But a message old brother Tony Vance said, he said, he said, my children, I regret a lot of things that my children have seen Dora and I do. But he said, there's one thing they have not seen Dora and I do, and that's to forsake the Lord in his way. We live our lives as we want to live, then and those that follow us will and do also live their lives the same way they want to live them. Well, I ain't got into my message yet. I'm still in introduction. It makes no difference how much we try and change them after they get older. They will still live the lives as we lived ours. I read something this morning back there in the Sunday school class. What did Jesus call those people who do things like that? Jesus said they're hypocrites. I read it this morning. Out of the book of John. I remember one time, I'm going to tell a story here. I remember one time when I was 10 years old, my sister and brother-in-law was coming and picking up a couple of us kids over there in the poor area. They were coming over and picking us up and taking a Sunday school with them, my sister and brother-in-law. And I remember one time my sister came by the house, and I I wasn't out of bed. I was just 10 years old now. I wasn't out of bed. And I remember laying in bed. I was awake, but I remember laying in bed, 
my mom told my sister, said, uh, said, I've tried, said, I've tried, I've threatened to whip him, said, I've threatened everything to get him to get up, and he just won't get up. And my sister told my mom, she said, don't try to make him do something that you won't do yourself. She didn't go to church either. Don't try to make them do something that you won't do. There's going to be some squirming before this one's over. I'm telling you. If the next generation goes off from the sacred path, then this other generation is responsible for it. Now, now let's get to our message. Now, if we're to understand modern generations, we must see that there is a generation X. You didn't think I knew that, did you? There is a generation X. This generation is from the ages of 16 to 25. This is the generation that old socialists reprobate is trying to get the kids to follow him. An old 76-year-old reprobate. Tell them, he says, when y'all get to college, it'll be free. Tell them, said, when now, now the parents are listening to this too, of Generation X. Well, that's what's being preached to them. When y'all get to college, it'll be free. Oh, whoo, that's wonderful. Boy, my kids can go to college free. That's wonderful. It's not free. Somebody has to pay for it. They asked, they asked him the other day, I'm not going to mention his name because somebody on the internet will sure bring me down because of it. But they asked him the other day at a town hall, they said, uh, how are you going to pay for free college for everybody? He said, oh well, we'll have to raise taxes on everybody to do it. It's not free. The generation, this generation is from the age of 16 to 25. There are a lot of things that happens to this generation. They can apply for a permit at 15. And a license, and get a license at 16. And then drive any place they want to go. Y'all listening to me? Drive any place they want to go. Some of you got kids coming up. You better be listening. Then they can drive any place they want to go. They can vote for whomever they want at age 18. They can be though this generation doesn't have to be concerned about this, they can be drafted into the military service and sent off to war. And we're talking about Generation X now. I'm going to be talking about two more generations before it's over. We're talking about Generation X. 
They will have a freedom. Listen to me now, y'all. Open your ears. Old Judge Judy says God gave you two ears and one mouth. So he says he expects you to listen. They will have a freedom to choose whether they want to follow the Lord or the world. This generation X. I have been pastoring churches for nearly 52 years, and I have seen a lot. I have seen those who turn 18, and they believe that their fathers and mothers have no more control over them. I can do what I want to. Do whatever I want to do. You can't do nothing about it. I'm 18 years old. But it is debatable that they ever had control over them, even before they turned 18. The great apostle Paul speaks concerning this generation, 2 Timothy, if you would, 3. Turn with me. 2 Timothy 3. He talks about this generation I'm talking about right now, this generation X. You hear it, you hear it on TV. Generation X. Second, Second Timothy 3. This is his generation he speaks about. Second Timothy 3 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. That verse 3 up there reminds me of the girl that was a Christian girl and she'd been going to school, and she acted like a Christian at school, and they bullied her. They bullied her. They bullied her because she, she'd she go to school, and she'd act like a Christian. What did she do? She went home one day and committed suicide because they bullied her so much. Having a form of godliness, verse 5, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust. There's not much that a young boy doesn't think he can do when he gets a certain age, and there's not much, and don't, don't be careful, there's not much a lot of girls think they can do when they get a certain age too. I can date whoever I want to. I don't care what my mom and daddy says. I can date who I want to. I used to have the saying when I was growing up, 
if you're not willing to marry the person that you take home to meet your daddy and mama, you don't need to take them to meet your daddy and mama. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. I don't care what Brother Paul says. I'll do what I want to do. You know, Brother Paul, you, you, you hear Brother Paul preach that message last Sunday? Well, I don't care. I'll do what I want to do. I'll go where I want to go. And you ain't going to stop. Now, if we are to understand modern generations, we must see there is a Generation W. A Generation W. Sure is. This generation, listen to this, this generation is from the ages of 26 to 50. Generation W. Some like to call it the middle class. But I want to call it Generation W. Why do I call them Generation W? They are to be the wisdom generation for Generation X. They're to be the wisdom generation for Generation X. Now put yourself right in between where where we're talking about. This is the generation today that is raising Generation X. Generation X will always look to Generation W for advice on how to live their lives. Let me tell you something, folks. I've been doing this a long time. I've told children, I've told kids, young kids things. They go right straight home and tell their parents, and their parents tell them, well, you don't have to listen, Brother Paul. Generation X will always look to Generation W for advice on how to live their lives. Generation W is the wisdom generation. That's why I call it Generation W. It's the wisdom generation. Every mother and father in here today, you are the wise one to your children. Not Brother Paul. You're the wise one to your children. You're the wise one. You're the one they look up to for wisdom on how to do the things they do and what they do. You're the, you're the, you're the wise generation. Generation X. Generation, Generation X will watch 
and do exactly what Generation W does. I've seen it, folks. I've, I've been around a long time. You may say, well, it's about time for you to go. Well, it is, it is about time for me to go. been around a long time. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Children follow parents and do exactly what parents do. Exactly where parents go, they want to go. Exactly where parents, every time a parent want to miss church, they want to miss church too. You're teaching them, folks. You're teaching them. The wisdom generation is teaching these kids by action and not words. If any of Generation W take the time to look around them, they will see their Generation X is doing just as they did. How can you tell me what to do, Daddy or Mama, when you did the same thing? How can you tell me, just like my mom, my sister told my mom, says, how can you expect Paul to get out of that bed and go to church with us when you don't go. If generation if generation W doesn't serve the Lord as they should, generation X will do the same. It is a responsibility of generation W, the wisdom generation to put wisdom into Generation X. They look for it. They look for it out of their parents. They don't do any good after they, after they get up and try to beat them. At least most of these boys around here beat the crap out of them young men, your men. If you get on them and want to get, really get on them. Like I told a man one time, he said, I, I guess I need to go talk to so-and-so. I said, you better not go talk to so-and-so. I said, he'll whip you so bad you won't, you won't know which way to go. Why, my goodness. Hey, some of these 18, 19-year-old boys can whip men. Then you try to say, I'm going to make them do it. I'm going to make them do it. You're not going to do any such thing. Because you've already lost them. You've already lost them. You've already lost them. And you're not going to make them do anything. You're not going to make them come to church if they don't want to come. You're not going to make them read the Bible if they don't want to read it. You're not going to make them do anything. Because they'll tell you where to go and what to do. You believe the Lord gave me a message like this when I woke up in the middle of the night? I'm telling you, the Lord gave me this message in the middle of the night. Proverbs 22.6, we all know what it says. You, well, you don't have to turn up if you want to. Train up a child where he should go. When he gets old, he'll not depart from it. You know, You know the favorite thing we have today? The favorite thing we have today is, well, you know, they'll, they'll come back, but they're not coming back. They're not coming back. 
If we're to understand modern generations, we must see. Here's a good one. There is generation UV. That's not ultraviolet rays either. Generation UV. This generation will be those from 51 to 75, Brother Sam. You know, there's sometimes I'd like to get a hold of Generation X, but I'm afraid they'll whip me. Sometimes I like to get a hold of Generation W, but I know they'll whip me. But don't you think I won't fight? Because you're wrong. As long as my leg's working. <laughs> 51 to 75. That's a good generation, isn't it, Brother Sam? Got to be, doesn't it? 51 to 75. Well, I can say that to some of you women, but I won't do it. 51 to 75. This generation is the ultimate victims. The ultimate victims, UV, the ultimate victims. Why would I say that? Because there's a lot of things we'd like to do as grandparents and great-grandparents we can't do. We can't interfere with the way our children raise their children. We can't, we can't interfere when they get in trouble. Oh, we can interfere when they get in trouble because they'll come to us. They need money. Oh, they'll come to us. But what they do and how they do and when they do it, we have to just sit back and keep our mouth shut. This generation is the grandparents, the great-grandparents' generation. They will lay awake at nights worrying about Generation X and Generation W. They will be so concerned when the two previous generations don't do what Generation UV knows what will work. I know what will work in all of your lives. I know, just like I said this morning, I told Kara this morning, she asked me how my, how my leg was. I said, my leg is better. It got better, it got better Friday. And I said, when I do something I shouldn't do, it'll get bad again. But it ain't gonna get bad again over me preaching this mess, I can tell you. They know Generation UV knows what will work and what will not work. They know that they can't have a hand in correcting either. They know that they will get ridiculed, spoken harsh to, and even abandoned. Again, you need to read a letter from a grandmother who wrote it to be read at her funeral. And I read it at her funeral. That was my sister's funeral. She wrote a letter to be read to her children and her grandchildren at her funeral. 
It was Moses who said in his prayer, The sword without any terror within, I'm sorry, the sword without and terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling, and also even the man of gray hairs. You don't believe that's in there? Read Deuteronomy 32.25. He said, The sword without and the terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin. The little girls around here. The sucklings, those are still being breastfed, but also the man of gray hairs. Everybody sees that picture Deborah drew of me back there in the restroom. Call me hoary hairs. Genesis forty two thirty eight, and I'm going to be closing here in just a minute. Genesis forty two thirty eight. That's why I was in Genesis a while ago. I had all this in my mind instead of telling to go to Joshua. Genesis forty two thirty eight. I'd like for be able to read that whole chapter, but I'm not going to do it. And he said, this is a prayer of Moses now, is what Moses said. And he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone, if mischief befall him by the way in the which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Can you imagine how many more gray hairs that fella that hit those two out there the other day whose mother and father has got. They got a son that's going to be, the anvil's going to be dropped on him when he gets well. They come to the mom and daddy and I tell you, I, I about cry thinking about my own mom and dad. The law knocked on their doors a lot when I was growing up. Come to my mom and dad and my poor mom and dad. Dad couldn't read and write. Mom barely could. They come to them and say, We want to see your son because he did something that we were looking for him for. Do you can you imagine the agony that I put on that ultimate victims right there that day? I was a generation X. Joseph, 
was a run down and run over old father. This is Moses is referring to Joseph here in this text. Joseph was a run down and run over old father and grandfather because of his children. He could take no more. He said, no, no, I've already got one son that's dead. He said, I don't want another one. He couldn't take no more. May God bless each of you today. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a verse of song, and then I'll let you go.